Howdy, y'all! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thanks for being here. Are you new? Have you been here a while? It's a nice place. We've been doing some fun stuff lately. Yeah, we've had a lot of really great feedback from a lot of the episodes we've been doing lately. Yeah, Scott West has been one that has uh, been on a lot of people's radar. A ton of people reaching out. Yeah, the West Walker episode, killer. Everybody's been loving that. You got a lot of new listeners out there. And my guest today is uh, somebody who fits into a category of guests that uh, when we started the podcast, we didn't really know if we would get into this kind of stuff and start talking to public servants, elected officials, people like that. But, you know, I'm curious about that stuff. And you guys are too, seemingly. So we've had the mayor of Knoxville, Mayor India Kincannon on. We've had... You know, Tommy Smith, who's city councilman, he's been on. And we've kind of found this subgenre of guests for the shows that are outside of the entertainment industry, the show business world, which a lot of my guests are. Uh, but today we've got a new kind of guest. And that's somebody who's running for the district attorney seat in Knox County. His name's Jackson Finner. Jackson and I have known each other a little while. I've kind of been around since... Jackson started his law career 11 years ago, and Jackson has a deep interest in justice and in making sure that the law is upheld and that it's upheld fairly. He's been a criminal defense attorney for a long time, and now he's running for district attorney. So he's moving over to the prosecution side uh, for our county, and he's up for election. The primaries are May 3rd, and August 4th is the big election where it's either thumbs up or thumbs down for him. So I thought we'd get to know him. He's a great man. He cares. And he is a wealth of knowledge about the court system, legislation, judicial matters of all kinds. I hope you guys enjoy our chat. I do want to say, if you guys are enjoying the show, enjoying what we're doing, we've been doing for, I don't know, 120 weeks in a row now, then you are more than welcome to support us. You can do it on Patreon, patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. We'd love to have you. Doesn't take much, but it means the world to us. And it's a community of people who we love and appreciate so much. So if you're a patron already, thank you guys so much. You're keeping the lights on in the shop and keeping us grinding out here. And we, we feel like we got to keep you guys happy. So we're going to keep bringing the heat or at least try to. So I hope today is no different. And I hope you guys enjoy my chat with the extremely intelligent Jackson Fenner. We're doing the podcast. Well, there's an election this year. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the DA has eight-year term in Knox County. Oh, or, wow. And all the DAs have eight-year terms, which is the longest in the country. All other states have six, four, or two-year terms. Is it that way every county in Tennessee? Yeah. So all the counties in Tennessee, the DAs have eight-year terms. Wow. That seems like a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. It's probably, maybe it's too long, but that's the system that we're in. Yeah. So the last- Is there a term limit to how many terms you can have? Um, I-, I don't think that there is. Okay. Don't think that there is. No, because it's technically a state office. Mm. So I, I think that they can go as many times as they want. Although yeah. I could be wrong. I probably should know the answer to that, but I don't. Yeah, that's all right. So so why is now why is now the time to uh to make this move for you? Why does it feel right? Well, I've been a defense attorney for eleven years. Um, so I've seen I've seen uh some stuff doing this. Um one of the big things is the way that they're handling a lot of these cases that are that are coming out of um, 
like the Walmart, they call it the Walmart burglaries is what we call, it's what we call them on the defense bar, where a person would be convicted of a second offense shoplifting. You know, they go in one day and they steal a sweater and the next day, then they get put on the no trespass list. Then they'll go back a week later and steal a pair of socks. Well, our DA, current DA, is charging them with class D felony burglary, which carries a punishment up to 12 years. Oh my goodness. Seems like a lot for That's, stealing a sweater and a pair of socks. Well, it's a lot. The worst part is that it's a, it, you're making a person who is suffering, most likely suffering from a drug addiction, because a lot of the people who commit these types of crimes are, they have had addiction issues. Now you have a person with an addiction issue, now you're making them into a felon. Mm. And, uh, you know, the statute does not require us to charge somebody with burglary for second offense shoplifting. Um, but this was kind of an invention of our prosecutor, Sharm Allen. That's what she kind of invented. She had a creative reading of the statute, the burglary statute, and decided mm. to start doing this. And it's kind of caught on, but the there was, you know, it started here in Knoxville, and there was a court of criminal appeals overturned one of the convictions, said, no, you can't do that. But the Tennessee Supreme Court, after the state appealed it, um, the, the overturning of the case, the Tennessee Supreme Court said, no, you can do that. The burglary statute allows you to do that. So, so they upheld this, which they, means the Supreme Court rules on it. That means it's now fine. It's now fine, which means it also means that we've spent tens of thousands of dollars our, of taxpayer money just so our prosecutor, our DA, can charge misdemeanor shoplifters with a felony. Mm. And now we have to try all these cases too, you know, and that's very expensive. Right. So, you know, it's it, something like it just that's just one of the reasons. But you see things like that where Charm will go on and say, well, we need to help people with addiction issues. But we have record number of overdose deaths. We have record number of homicides in our city right now. And just taking small, petty crimes and making them into felonies while we have police officers who are getting away with homicide. Yeah, point that down in your mouth a little bit, just so you can hear. Yeah, perfect. So it's almost like taking your eye off the ball a little bit. A, that's that's part of it, right? If you're putting all of your focus into uh, in, into into prosecuting these things that seem petty, then you don't have the cycles and the bandwidth and the budget to to worry about the things that really matter, like drug overdoses, drug cases, right. things like that. Right. Violent crimes right. being another one. It seems silly to kind of even mess around with that with that with that stuff and, and and try to try to make a mountain out of a molehill seemingly right and you know i'm not saying that a person should be not convicted of shoplifting i'm just saying that there has to be a way for us to help this person get the help that they need and to hold them accountable for the misdemeanor crime for which they're likely guilty um get them some treatment and you know focus all of our main resources on violent crime and helping people with addiction issues. I, mm. I mean, I think that it can be done. We have the resources to do it. Um, I think that our priorities are, you know, her priorities, I think, are just uh, askew. So what happened with that uh, police officer? No, no, uh, you know, I, I read the headline. <laughs> right. No, no sirens, no lights or whatever, runs over somebody, kills them and their dog. And doesn't get prosecuted for for anything. Yeah, well, from what I understand, and you know, I just read what everybody else read. You know, there was two police cars that were running in tandem, um, and they're responding to I think a, a, a an alarm at a 
restaurant or something after okay. hours. So it was not a life or death situation. It was not, there's a baby in the well. It was, right. you know, there's a trip alarm going off at a business gotcha. at, at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, probably a burglary. Probably a or, burglary. Or, well, actually, probably a, a, a sensor failed. Or it could something. have been a sensor yeah, failed. Yeah. Even if it was a burglary, there, there, there's no reason to go 100 miles an hour on Kingston Pike. So the... The, the person that was killed, he he saw the first vehicle go by the first police officer vehicle, and then he figured he was in the clear, so he pulled out, and the second one's the one that hit him. Really? Yeah, that's what I've, from what I understand. Gotcha. But he it, wasn't running his lights. He was speeding, and he didn't have his emergency lights on. So maybe- He was breaking the law. He was breaking the law. Yeah. So th- I'm not saying that, that 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 police officer needs to go to jail, because I don't know all the facts, but it's it's- the cavalier attitude that they have like no there's nothing here open and shut it's fine the cavalier attitude that the da has yeah 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 and we saw that same cavalier attitude when we had that young man that was shot at the apartment complex and then we had when that school and that student was shot by a police officer in the bathroom over high school you know it's just it's almost like she's annoyed that she has to explain herself for why we're not charging people for, mm. for people getting shot and killed. You, you always hear that there's like that, you know, take care of our own mentality when when police officers get charged with things. And I, I guess with the George Floyd stuff, everybody was almost kind of surprised, you know, that people actually right. got convicted right. for that because there's uh, the, the precedent says that it takes a whole lot more to convict a police officer of something than it it's does difficult. a civilian. It's difficult. And, you know, it's tough for a prosecutor because they need law enforcement to make cases. Sure. You know? So when I'm the DA, I'll have to have a good report to police. Right. Obviously, I respect the police. It's a difficult job. I don't want to do that job. We need to have them. Um, but if they break the law, they need to be held accountable. I think sure. that it's pretty. It's pretty simple. Um, if it's brazen, if especially it's brazen, like yeah. if they're if they're if they're doing it to uphold the law, that's a different story, I guess. Right. right. Yeah, and I think that just the just the summary way, you know, in which she opened and closed the cases without having a proper investigation, I think is was inappropriate and it's frustrating and. Um, I don't know if it's a political decision. I don't know mm. why she opened and closed it so quickly. I mean, when the writing on the wall says that this police officer broke the law and somebody's dead, if that was you or me, we'd be charged with homicide. Right. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for, you know, the, obviously someone dies, you feel awful for their family and all that. And to feel like, you know, the, 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 the DA's job is like you said before we started to exact justice right and if i'm that family i feel like justice hasn't justice hasn't been no justice has not been served you know and i'm not even calling like i said not calling for prosecution i just want there to be a thorough investigation i don't think that she has the cojones to do it right she's afraid of the blowback she's afraid of i don't know what she's afraid of well turning on like you said the people that you ultimately rely on to help you do your job Right. Well, and it's funny because, you know, when I ran for law director in 2020, I had the endorsement of the Fraternal Order Police, which, um, you know, I went and interviewed with them. And that was kind of terrifying. But, you know, I just kind of lay it all out. And I told them what I'm telling you is, is that, you know, if there's a bad cop, then they got to go because they're a liability. Right. But, you know, and I think we can keep the good police officers and get the bad ones out. And a lot of them that I spoke with, police officers I spoke with personally agree with me on that. So I think that, you know, if she were to actually poll the police department and ask them, you know, should this police officer be prosecuted, this one who broke the law, I bet she'd find a lot more of them um, are in favor of that than she probably thinks. American Cannon was here and she told me 
I believe the number's right, that, that the uh, police force is like 40 officers short right now. They can't find people to do the job. And I get it. Like you said, it's not a job that I want to do. We don't pay them enough, well, but yeah. we obviously need them. We, we need have them. to have them as citizens. Like the whole defund the police thing is ridiculous. Right. Like who's going to take, who's going to take care of you when you, when you need them. And right. they've been disrespected. They've right. been, uh, you know, turned on almost by, by society and, 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 and radical folks. And it's, it's, it's not fair. And I think that they're a little bit under uh, appreciated. And so it, it makes sense to why you're not going to get the best people to do that job when you don't pay them well and you don't respect them. Right. Well, you know, the goal isn't to defund the police. It's to reassess the funding and where the money goes. You know, money attracts talent. So if you pay a police officer, if you have a, a good salary, you'll, you will attract talented police officers. And our sheriff's department is among the lowest paid in the region. We can't compete with Maryville and, you know, there's other mm. places that are close by because they pay better. Mm. So we're at a disadvantage already up, up front because, you know, who would be the quote unquote good cops aren't coming to Knox County because we don't pay enough money to get them here. Right. So, you know, I, I'm not saying anything disparaging about who we have now, but, you know, the, the overall business principle that most people understand is that money attracts talent. And sure. that's, and, and I think that that's something that we need to think about. But there are other parts of funding. You know, we don't need a tank. We don't need to have mm. SWAT teams. We don't need to have no-knock warrants. You know, and maybe with some of this funding that we're using on some of these more militarized um, parts of law enforcement, we could use. Everybody laughs at the social worker, but there are instances where you don't need an armed police officer. You know, in certain types of disputes or someone's having a mental health break, maybe you just need to send out a mental health professional who can help somebody talk them off the ledge, so sure. to speak, you know? So I think that it's not necessarily defund the police, but it's just, where is the funding going? What do we really need out of the police officers? Because they're not trained mental health professionals and we shouldn't expect them to be. We're almost asking them to do a job that they didn't sign up for. So, mm. and again, a lot of police officers that I've spoken with agree with me on that. I, mean, I don't want to go respond to that call when a person's naked and in the street with a knife or doing, I mean, doing something crazy. Let's get somebody else in there who's trained to have these, you know, to talk somebody down and maybe take some of that burden off the police officers. So your background comes from criminal defense, right? So uh, I feel like, and to relate this to like the, the, the film and television business, which is the world that I work in, right. like learning how to edit makes you a good director all right you know right. i mean learning how to be a good defense attorney i feel like would make you understand the process to where being a prosecutor sure. uh you, you would you would know that you would know the game really well well yeah well you know you and i go way back all sure. the way back to the beginning of my career is when you and i first met right you know when i was living when um i had that we were both were underground gay street and those yeah. old gay street units yeah where it was really was like the this, the old street level of gay street before they raised it, you know, you could look up through the sidewalk, through the glass bricks and all that. Yes. That little spot down there. Where, yeah. We were sweet neighbors. Yeah. But back then I didn't know anything, you know, that was 2012 and I was still figuring it out. But since then I've been in the trenches or the salt mines, so <laughs> to speak, you know, I'm down in general sessions court and criminal court every single day of the week. You know, I'm, I know all the defense, all the all the defense attorneys. I know all the prosecutors. I work with these people every single day for mm -hmm. eleven years. Um, so yeah, I know where the bodies are buried, and I I know, um, you know who, you know what works and what doesn't work. 
right? And um, seeing it from that side, having to make a case for, um, I guess, for for understanding what it takes to protect these folks or, or not protect them, but to, to make sure that just that make sure that they are treated within the confines of the constitution. Right. right Isn't right. that what your job is as a defense attorney? Yeah. So people will ask me like, how can you defend that guy? How can you defend someone who's accused of that? Well, the whole purpose of the defense attorney, first of all, we are the only private entity that is guaranteed by the constitution. The mm. only private business that is guaranteed well, there's the press you have the right to the press and then you have the right to counsel mm. that's in the constitution that's in that's right there in the bill of rights you have the right to counsel so my position exists because of the constitution and i am appointed to a lot of i do a lot of appointed work um so that's all a constitutional guarantee so how could you do that kind of work well because the constitution requires it mm. and it has to be done because somebody has to make sure that this person is given a fair trial, that their that their rights are being protected, that their rights weren't stepped on, that they weren't forced to confess to something they didn't do. We have to mm. make sure that all every possible angle has been looked at. We have to make sure that all the discovery and all the videos and the everything is being thoroughly looked at, you know, so that it makes the person's not getting locked in a cage. Um, without having a fair hearing. Because that's really what the state's trying to do. They're trying to put somebody in a cage for a, a period of years. Right. So my job is to make sure that everything that's done is that possibly can be done to keep him out of the cage, keep her out of the cage, has been done. And sometimes you have to punt, you know. So you try if I can get a 20-year sentence down to eight, that's a win. You know, so a lot of times we're just mitigating the damage because a, a lot of the people that I represent, of course, they have drug addiction issues. But a lot of times, you know, people ask me, have you ever had somebody that you know is guilty every single day? I yeah. mean, they, they're on camera. They've admitted it. You know, there's this or that. There's witnesses. I mean, they got them cold. Um, and my job really is just to make sure that everything was done fairly because if they can lock somebody up without... Um, respecting their Fourth Amendment rights without respecting their right to remain silent, then they could do it to anybody. So yeah. that's really the whole the whole the whole reason yeah. for it. It's it, I mean it's it's a patriotic endeavor at some point, and it, I, I'm sure there is some I'm sure there has to be some 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 moral uh, back and forth within yourself to where you you know you you say yes I am dealing with someone who broke the law, but. But ultimately, my my job here is to make sure that they are at at the very least uh, treated fairly within what the Constitution intended or yeah. the law intends. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be people out there that are going to be looking at people I've represented in the past, and they're going to say, "Wow, this person is a horrific monster." Hmm. And Jackson Fenner represented him. Well, the Constitution wants me and requires me to do it. Mm. So if I don't do it, somebody else has to do it. Well, the same thing happened with Kamala Harris when she, you know, became a, I guess, a presidential candidate ultimately is on the other side, they started, you know, saying that her, uh, she prosecuted too hard against drug crimes and things like that. And that wasn't in line with the message that uh, of of the democratic party or whatever. So there's always going to be stuff you can look at and, and, and point to, but ultimately you're trying to do a job that you that you just think is noble and that you think is is right by the country and and what it what the law is intended to be and the judicial system intended. Yeah, yeah. and it'll wear on you. I mean, there are cases that I've represented where I just go home. I'm like, oh my god, 
Really? You know, they're just somewhere just horrific, but it's just part of the job. And sometimes, you know, you get a good case and you got, oh, there's a constitution. This is a bad car stop. You know, the cops can't do that. Um, you know, that they, they can't just pull you over for no reason. Sometimes you have something interesting to talk about and whether you file a suppression motion or you just use that to leverage the felony down to a misdemeanor, there's all lots of different ways to play it. But sometimes we win some, but as a defense lawyer, we're used to losing all of us. I'm sure. And so from a, from a, a prosecutor side of things, because they know that defense attorneys are out there trying to mitigate the damage <laughs> that their client, even if they are guilty and both sides know that they're guilty, do, do prosecutors, uh, hedge and, and try to overcharge things just to, to know that they're going to have to back off a little bit. I, I've seen, I've had cases where a person is charged. Maybe they're guilty of an E felony or, or a lower felony, but they're way overcharged, you know, with a C something that they should not have been charged with. They're way out of bounds. And I'll tell the prosecutor that I'm like, this person, even if everything in this warrant narrative is a hundred percent correct, this is an E felony, not a C. Mm. And, and they'll say, yeah, you're right. Um, so how about he could just, you know, plead to the E felony? And I was like, no, 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 no. We got to start there yeah, and then go back from there. So, right. so there is this, and there is this uh, kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know how, how much of it is intentional. I don't want to be cynical about it, right. but you will see people who are vastly overcharged and then they will just try to take him back and make him plead to the thing that he's actually guilty of. So a lot of times you have to spot that sometimes to try to find out where the starting point is in, 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 the, in the negotiation process. So as a, I think you talked about it a, a little bit when we started, but like at, what are, would be your prosecutorial differences between you uh, and our, and the incumbent right now? How would you approach the job differently than the current DA? Well, again, we I think we have to shift the priorities from trying to make, people suffering from drug issues um, guilty of petty misdemeanors trying to charge them with felonies. I, you know, I think that's that's one of my day one acts. You know, I'm not going to go in there and fire everybody and burn the house down. You know, that's not, I'm not going to do that. I know there's a rumor going around, I'm going to get in there and fire everybody. That's not true. There's a lot of talented DAs, assistant DAs in there right now who I'm going to need when I get in there. Um, so I'm not going to go in this clean house. But we just need a new mission. You know, it's all about having a new mission. And that mission is, it's going to have to be a combination of empathy and also being uh, tougher on the more violent crimes. Because again, we take the resources that we use to turn misdemeanors into felonies and put those towards the more violent crimes. Hmm. You hear the uh, it, it seems it seems like at the center, which is the craziest thing to even think about at the center of all of this, you know, the, the judicial system seems to at least now in the year 2022, so much of it is focused around drug addiction and the ripple that comes right from that, too. And mental health is is yeah. kind of layered on on top of that. But it, it seems like we're we're definitely treating the symptom, you know. For sure. And, and not the problem. That's right. Ultimately. Well, and it, I mean, it seems like if you refocus some of those efforts into treating the problem uh, compassionately and empathetically, then then you're not going to have as many of, of these issues you have. But I think that a lot of our society, I mean, not to get 
too philosophical, but I think a lot of our society, we, we try to rescue instead of prevent, you know, we'll mm. treat the heart attack, but we won't adjust our diet. You know, right. it's almost the same thinking, you know, well, the, the, the number one treatment facility um, is the jail. I mean, you, know, you yeah. hear that all the time, but you know, if you have a mental health issue or drug addiction, you can't get any help unless you've been charged with a crime. Right. You know, once now, once you're charged with a crime and you're sitting there in Maloneyville, okay, now a social worker will come talk to you, and now we'll try to get you a bed at Buffalo Valley or one of these other places that you know do inpatient treatment. Now we'll try to help you with your addiction issues. Now that you've been charged with a felony, we'll try to help you. It seems like it's a little bit too late, and it seems like a very uh, a, a very irresponsible way to use money. It's it's. I think it's incredibly wasteful, and I think that you know uh, there has to be a way where we can divert some of the resources we're we're using to try cases that don't need to be tried. You know, turning misdemeanors into felonies. I think there's got to be a way we can divert some funding. And this is a lot of this is outside of the DA's purview. This is just more talking about the system in general. But there's got to be a way that we can have. People get treatment who need treatment before they get convicted of a crime, before right. they're charged with the crime. Because right. by that time, it's almost too late because there was this judge years ago who told me that a person in handcuffs will agree to anything if they can get out of jail. Hmm. Will you do inpatient treatment? Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah, let me out. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then a lot of times, that person might not even be ready for treatment, hmm. or someone else who's sees the bottom coming up at them. They want to get treatment, but they can't because his bed went to the guy who's getting out of jail that's not going to take it seriously. It's just going to run as soon as he gets out. So it's almost like if you, if you use it as a as a, as an, a reward once you're in jail, you're, it's, it's almost sometimes you waste, it's a wasted opportunity. Sure. Because the person, a person's not going to get help unless they come to that crossroads and are willing to do it on their own, right? You can't mm. force a person to get treatment. So there has to be a way to help somebody who's who's willing and ready to do it. Um, but they currently they can't do it because that bed's being given to somebody who was just charged with a felony that's going to walk off after day three. So what, as far as the whole drug addiction thing being a, a big feeder system to ultimately the courts, right? Well, there's this judge in Sevier County. He's a Republican, but yeah, I was up there a little while ago and he said something from the bench. He said, uh, if it wasn't for drugs, this jail would be empty. And he's probably right. You know, almost everything that we see, it's drugs and alcohol. And of course, you have the domestics, but a lot of the domestics are also brought about people fighting over pills. Sure. You know, or they get drunk and beat each other up. Yep. So, drugs is the number one driving factor by far of anything else because most people, you and me, most people aren't going to just go out and shoplift from Walmart. Sure. We're not going to just go out and wreck our car into the guardrail. Mm. You know, that's all drugs and alcohol. So there has to be some way to get more into prevention rather than using it as a carrot for a person who's in jail. What are the what are the things that are making people do this stuff? Is it it I, I assume it's heroin, I assume it's you know opiates, fentanyl has become recreational, methamphetamines are big in rural areas from what I understand. Right. Crack cocaine. Uh are those the big big ones well, that you it's, see? It's funny because it's cyclical. 
you know, th- there'll, mm. be, there'll be times where you'll go through months where it's, everything is cocaine and then you won't see any cocaine and it's all meth and then you don't see any meth and then it's heroin really? or pills. Yes. So, so, so you'll see a, a, a flurry of cases come through and you'll, and you'll see ground swells of certain types absolutely. of substances at Abs- certain times. Absolutely. That's crazy. It's crazy. And so it's a lot that- of it's coming, you know, you, you'll get, what'll happen is you'll have people come, you, we get a lot of people coming from other states setting up shop here. So they'll have their connections. We see stuff coming from Atlanta and Detroit and California and all over the country. Indiana is one conspiracy out of Indiana. Just people just coming and setting up shop here in, in Knoxville. Um, you know, we have an exploding population. We have two major interstates coming through here. It's just, it's kind of a hub. It's kind of a drug hub. Um, and you'll have a new shop set up and they'll, they're just bringing in a bunch of heroin from wherever they're bringing it from. And then those guys will just, it all floods out. You know, so now you'll have different neighborhoods. They just, that's what they got. They got heroin because this group is bringing it in and you know, just massive quantities. And then those, that group will get busted and they'll go away. Then someone else will come in and what do they have? They have a cocaine connection. So it kind of just, you know, different people come in and they just flood the neighborhoods with whatever they are supplying. And you will see a spike in the courts, you know, you'll, th- there'll be times where it's all, all you see is, I mean, there's always going to be cocaine, but you'll just see like, wow, a lot of meth in the last six months. I've seen a lot of meth cases. Yeah. And then it'll be, oh, I've seen a lot of heroin cases in the last six months. You know, heroin was almost gone and now it's back. I, I don't know who told me this, but I heard that, you know, by virtue, obviously, of 4075, two of the busiest interstates in America, especially Interstate 75, uh, a, 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 like a, a, a hotbed for, for drug trafficking. It definitely is. And you'll see... Uh, You'll see, like somebody told me the the pilot on Merchant Drive was like one of the biggest drug handoff spots in America. I've seen a lot of cases at the pilot and seventy five on, on Merchant. Yeah, that's there's you know gas stations, truck stops. It's a big it's a big deal. You know what'll happen is you'll have someone will buy like a package from somebody who's distributing, then they'll just go and like sell smaller quantities at these places <laughs> there always seems to be a little flea bag motel yeah, right always. nearby too a lot of hotel cases a lot of car stops um you know a lot of things happening at gas stations um it's well, where, common. where does marijuana reform play into this whole thing because when we talk about the things that we're talking about right now and you see what's going on around the rest of the country with medical marijuana recreational marijuana right. like where is where is that right now in in the state of Tennessee as far as from the judicial standpoint? It, it's kind of funny because it's, are you talking about like legislation? Like yeah, in, what's in, the legislation? Look well, like? I think that you have both parties are, are always like have pushed bills for legalization in some form, medical mm. um, or uh, uh, record. I don't think there's been a recreational bill been pushed yet, but you see. Uh, medical bills, medicinal bills coming from both parties. Mm. And um, none of them have really made it out of committee. They've written some terrible bills, you know, where they're just, it has to be a certain disorder. They've made the restrictions on it almost unworkable. But the point is that there is support, bipartisan support for medicinal marijuana. But I think that a lot of the uh, legislatures on both sides of the aisle are too afraid to push it. You know, they're almost afraid of the blowback. Sure. But I think that uh, if we could just put it to a referendum vote, 
you know, put it, just get yeah. it on the ballot, leave it to yeah. the people, I think it would pass by 50 points, 40 points. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they I mean, they medical marijuana became legal in California in 1997. Right. It's 25 years ago. And yeah. it was a referendum, if I'm not, yeah. the referendum, I believe they yeah. called it. Yeah. You know, and, and they have... But you look at California and now they're, you know, they, they have other drug problems now too right. that, you know, now they're not worried about weed, but they have a lot of issues in the big cities with, with the other drugs. So there is kind of a, you know, there is kind of a, 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 a there's a, there's somebody who's done this already and is not really a good thing to point to. Right. But also from, you know, how much of the DA's time needs to be taken up prosecuting? those well, kinds of cases well two things we said about that one is you can look at maybe Cal california is not the best model um because there's a lot of really highly dense urban centers in california i mean there's a lot of huge cities there obviously but you could look at the colorado model where marijuana usage among underage people is down um fentanyl and all overdoses generally are down um it's it's had a net positive effect hmm. in colorado you know, you might, there might be some pushback. You might have more DUIs because driving while smoking marijuana is a, is DUI. It's still, right. still a crime in Colorado. So you sure. might have some more issues that way. Right. But I think it's been a net positive. Um, coming it's been out of great for tourism for them. It's been great for tourism. People coming in just to like go into that dispensary and yeah. say, holy crap, I made it. I'm in yeah. the dispensary. It's legal and you can buy it and take it back to your porch and smoke it in the home and no one can stop you. Yeah. I, I think it's been an, an you know, it's been a net positive for them, but maybe the California model is maybe not as so. But there's there's other extenuating there's other know, issues there, issues yeah. there too. Yeah. So, um, you know, they just legalize it in Virginia. Who knows what's going to happen there? Recreational um, or medical? All of it. Really? And New York State just legalized it too. All of it. Yeah, and but it's and, not been put into effect yet because they have to figure out how to regulate it before they can open up dispensaries. But it's legal there. Yeah, I remember a buddy in Montana was like, "Hey, uh, they they just made recreational marijuana legal, but it's going to be a year and a half before it really yeah. is legal because it, you really do have to put some thought into it. Yeah. And where is that tax money going to go? It, right. does, is, is it going to go to rehab programs? Is it going to go to kind of heal these other things that right. we've been talking about too? Yeah. Well, in, in Colorado, they 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 regulate it through their liquor board. So they already have the infrastructure in place nice. to regulate it. And then a lot of the money goes to schools. So I think it's been a net positive. There have been some issues. There's been problems. I think- Kids getting into gummy kids bears. Kids getting into, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some of those things are not maybe properly labeled and not, yeah. not, not secured uh, you know, very well. But I think that those are all problems that can be easily addressed. Um, but you know they, they talk about it being the gateway drug, but marijuana is not the gateway drug. It's alcohol. Everybody knows that. I mean, yeah. it's always starts. Everybody drinks beer before they smoke weed. Usually. Yeah. But as far as like the DA, you know, in in Nashville, you know, the DA there, Glenn Funk, <clears throat> who's also has a primary challenger. He's running again for DA. Democrat. He's, as a Demo he's a Democrat. He's got he's got a challenger, but uh, he basically just defied the legislature and said. I'm not going to prosecute low-level misdemeanor marijuana cases in, in Davidson County, period. I'm just not going to do it. So that's like simple possession of less than a half ounce of marijuana. That's right. Okay. So I'm not even going to mess with it. If you got a bag of weed and got you're a bag driving of weed, your, or your car. Or it might be, I'm not exactly sure how he handles it, but it, maybe it's like a speeding ticket. It's Maybe it's like yeah. a decriminalized issue, but he's, right. he's not trying to give you 1129 probation or put you in jail. He's, 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 he said, this is not a priority. Right. Which, you know, and he's getting a lot of pushback. They actually pass a new statute that says that if a prosecutor 
refuses to prosecute a certain brand of cases, then there can be an action to have that prosecutor removed for that brand of cases. And the Supreme Court of Tennessee can appoint a pro tempore prosecutor to prosecute marijuana cases. So you're saying that Funk is his name? Glenn, Glenn Funk. Glenn yeah. Funk. So if he, if he says, I'm not going to prosecute this type of case yeah. uh, because I don't believe in it or whatever. Right. You're saying that then there's a statute that says that it then removes it from his purview. In marijuana cases, but it has to be, the person has to be approved by the Tennessee Supreme Court, has to approve of who would then go to Nashville. Uh, some other lawyer or prosecutor would then go to Nashville and then prosecute marijuana cases because he refuses to do it. So he, he because, uh, okay, so it's probably because of some like like it's religious a, it, deal? It's an ex, it's it's a it's in a deliberate response to his saying we're not going to do it. So this is a new thing. It's a new thing. Okay. But the problem with that statute is obviously is if the Supreme Court of Tennessee is reviewing the case on the front end, you're taking away that person's constitutional right to appeal the case. How can you appeal the case to the Supreme Court of Tennessee if you're convicted? That's already been reviewed. If they've already reviewed it on the front end. Mm. So the statute is completely unworkable and unusable. And he's basically just said, I dare you to try. I'm still going to ah. continue. I'm still going to keep doing it. Gotcha. So, well, let me get this straight. So, so he says, I'm not going to prosecute marijuana cases. Then they Supreme court says, that's fine. No, We're going to send no, somebody else no, in. The, the Tennessee legislator passed the statute that said, if a, if a sitting DA refuses to pass, a, refuses to prosecute a certain species of case, across the board, I'm never going to prosecute them. He makes that public statement. Then there can be an, an action that is reviewed by the Tennessee Supreme Court. They empower the Supreme Court to appoint a different, a, prosecutor. A different prosecutor for that species of case. Right. But it's constitutionally flawed right. because they can't review it on the front end because that takes away their right to appeal it on the back end if they're sure. convicted. Yeah. So that doesn't work. And he's, and he's, and he's saying, saying, he's saying do it. Yeah. Try it. I dare you do it. So how much of our resources are, this has always been a big thing for me, uh, wondering like, and the, the less and less stigmatized marijuana becomes, I've always wondered how much of our bandwidth uh, from a prosecutor standpoint is, is focused on those kinds of cases. Are they really messing around with that kind of stuff as much anymore? Well, you still see civil possession in marijuana cases. I, I, you know, I think that I've seen less or fewer of them now than I had when I first started. Um, it's weird because most, I wouldn't say most, but a, plur a plurality, you have more murders over marijuana deals than any other drug deal. Really? So and I think it's because of the amount of cash that's involved. Like usually if you're, if you're buying you know, cocaine rock or buying heroin or buying whatever pills, it's a 20, 30, 40, $50 transaction. Mm. Whereas if it's marijuana, you can get some 19 year old with 500 bucks to show up and just buy a big quantity of it. So mm. there's, if you go back in the last five years, you know, you have more murders over marijuana than any other drug. And that's something that a lot of the prosecutors are saying that that's evidence that marijuana is bad, but I think it's the other way around. If I do it, too. If it was legal and you go to a dispensary, yeah. it completely eliminates that problem. Yeah. And no one's going to be shot over marijuana because you can just go down to a Joe's liquor Green store, a liquor store, yeah. a li go to a liquor store yeah. that's regulated and taxed and they can buy their, whatever they want to buy. It, it completely eliminates it. But mm. it is interesting. And I've seen the statistics that there's a lot of, marijuana murders that happens a lot wow it's it's, it's scary yeah. so so a lot of a lot of what we see in the uh what i've seen at least 
in prosecuting marijuana is huge quantities. I mean, like key, like multiple kilos. Okay. I, you see those being pushed through the courts, but I, it's almost, it's. I wouldn't say it's rare or it's gone, but I don't see a lot of cases where it, the only thing that the guy has is a marijuana charge. You'll mm. see it as you know he's got a he gets arrested for DUI and he's got a bag of marijuana. Yeah, or he's got couple of pills you know he's got a xanax and a hydrocodone and an oxy and a and marijuana you see mm -hmm. that but it's very rare for for at least from my practice maybe other lawyers will say something different but i don't see a lot of just possession well to your point of it being like almost a sidecar charge or something else that is not necessarily like a primary f focus one of the things that i've that that i've always thought about that was kind of strange about marijuana especially as it becomes uh, destigmatized like i said uh is how it pertains to uh possession of weapons right so um let's just say i have a firearm in my vehicle right. and in my glove box yeah uh that i and i have a concealed carry permit and i am legally carrying this weapon it completely within my rights state and federal everything right. is above board I have a, a, a joint in my backpack from a music festival last weekend, right. you know, that I just came back from or whatever that's rolling around in the trunk. Now, now I have possession of marijuana and possession of a firearm. Does right. that make that firearm charge well, heavier duty? There's a possession of a fire, or, firearm while under the influence mm. is a charge is, is a more heavy duty charge. Um, but it's not a felony. Um, if you have a felony weight, then yes, it's a huge deal. Right. So if I have if I have a half ounce of marijuana and a and a gun in a car together, then you'd be now charged I'm a weapons with felon. Possession of a weapon while during the uh, a dangerous felony or whatever they'd call the it. The commission yes. of a felony yeah, or, or, like, or whatever yeah. it is. But if that if if marijuana is decriminalized, then now I'm above board, right? Like well, I'm, they but even if they decriminalize marijuana, they could still have a carve out that says marijuana uh, is legal unless you're with a gun. Then it's yeah. a problem. I mean, there's a million ways they could do it. Yeah. It, it it and I, I get it. I understand it is to keep people safe, and and I think it's great uh, to want to do that. And especially with weapons, weapons are dangerous things. You don't need to be using them while you're messed up on anything, right? Without without yeah. question. Yeah. I, I, I just you know I, I I see like marijuana is such a like a trivial thing anymore, right? right. That you 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 would hate to see you know somebody who's who's uh, not not a bad person be a convicted yeah, weapons uh, felon all uh, of a sudden. I, I, I have to check the statute, but I don't think that possession of a firearm, if it's otherwise legal, while possessing marijuana is a felony. I don't think that that is the Unless case. it's a felony amount of marijuana. Unless it's a felony. Wait, then it's a felony. I think yeah. that's the statute. Okay. But I had a law professor um, years ago, back when I was at UT, who said, don't ever talk about a statute if it's not in front of you. So, which is good gotcha. advice. Yeah, it's you great know, advice. This whole like law and order thing where people are rattling off, you know, article one, section blah, blah, blah. Lawyers can't do that. You know, we got to have, we got to have it in front of us. Right. So, but I think just based on my experience, I think that a misdemeanor amount of marijuana and a misdemeanor and a gun charge, because a gun charge, right, normally an illegal possession of a weapon starts at a C misdemeanor. That's like jaywalking or public intoxication. That's just a really small oh, wow. offense. It starts out really small, but then intent to go armed, like if you're like in a crowd and there's more than two people around, then it's an A misdemeanor. So I don't know if the misdemeanor small possession. What's intent to go armed? What does that mean? That means you have the gun with the intent to go. I mean, it's it's to, it's to a conceal it's, it. It's an idiotic, it's an idiotic charge. Mm. But you know that just means I'm, I don't have it 
in my backpack. I have it on my person. Mm. So that means I'm armed. That's when yeah. I tend to go armed. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird man. It's it, it's crazy the whole like misdemeanor thing. What's it go? A to E, A to F. Yeah, it goes A to E. So yeah. so A to E with you, misdemeanors. Misdemeanors is C B A. So C misdemeanor is your your trespassing and you're sleeping on a sidewalk and you know public intoxication. That's, That's a, a fine. You pay That's a fine. And- normally, I mean, they, some most some of them can carry up to thirty days in jail, but most of the time you get time served or you you know you pay a small fine. Then B misdemeanor, that's going to be like evading arrest, driving without a license. That's driving on revoked license. That's a B misdemeanor. That's up to six months. A misdemeanor is 11 months, 29 days. And that's going to be your thefts, your civil possession, hmm. um, even like a assault. Like if I were to like reach across the table and slap you, that's an A misdemeanor. Yeah. Like we're at the Oscars or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's an A misdemeanor. A, a misdemeanor. 11, 11, 29. 11, 29. Yeah. But most of the time, Almost all the time, there's some misdemeanors have mandatory jail time. DUI is mandatory 48, 48 hours. Second offense DUI is a misdemeanor. That's mandatory 45 days. Third offense, still a misdemeanor, mandatory 120 days. Your fourth DUI, your it th- takes your, you four DUIs to get a felony? The fourth DUI is a felony. Class E felony? E felony, yep, 150 wow. days. But your first three are misdemeanors, but a, a, it's a, a misdemeanor for DUI third offense, but you got to do 120 days. You know, meth, I think meth possession... Simple possession meth is 30 days. Second offense, uh, domestic assault, I think is 45. So some misdemeanors have mandatory jail time, but most gotcha. of the time you're going to get probation if it's your first right. offense. And so does does part of your part of your job as a defense attorney in the past has it is it kind of because it seems like there is like a delineation point between being a felon and not being a felon, right? Like if you're a convicted felon. Don't you get you? You can't vote. You can't vote. You can never ever possess or be in the presence of a firearm for your whole entire life. Right. Um, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So if you're, it's, and so, a lot of places won't. You, you can't get a job. You can't get housing. I mean, you can't. You can't go to an apartment complex and fill an application and live there if you have a felony. A lot of places won't even accept your application. Who's going to hire you? Yeah, too? that's what I'm. Don't you have to disclose it too? They ask you if you're well, a convicted a of, felon. Yeah, a lot of places will do background checks too and mm-hmm. say, oh, you got a felony. Yeah, so that seems like a big deal. So yeah. does part of does part of uh, a defense attorney's job is it getting you out of that world Absolutely. and like try oh, to get it to anything abs- to be an aided yes. misdemeanor? Yes. So a lot of times, especially like in the thefts, you know, someone has theft is graded by the amount, the value of what was stolen. So anything under a thousand dollars is a misdemeanor. It used to be five hundred when I first started practicing. Now it's a thousand. So um, anything between a thousand and twenty five hundred is an e felony. And then 2,500, then it goes up to a D, then, you know, there's B and A felony theft. So if someone has like a D or an E felony theft, my, you know, and they're on camera and there's a witness and they're showing up and they're ready to testify, you know, they, they got him, you know. Mm-hmm. If I can get him out of there with a misdemeanor with a 1129 probation, I see that as a good outcome mm-hmm. for the client. Right. So a lot of it, yeah, you're trying to, you want your, you want your aggravated assault, which is a C felony to come down to a simple assault, a misdemeanor. I mean, if you can get that result, a lot of, a lot of, uh, it's almost easier prosecuting some felonies because the goal isn't necessarily an acquittal, but it's just to get it down to the misdemeanor range. Mm. So let, let your guy get out with 1129 probation and send them on their way. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe they got to pay a fine. Maybe there's some restitution involved or something. Um, but it's not always trying to, pound on the table and get them acquitted you're just trying to like like i said mitigate 
So yeah, yeah, getting things down to misdemeanors is part of the job. Well, it's it's it seems to me like you understand very fully both sides of the justice system sure. and why it has to work the way sure. that it does. Yeah. And you don't. It seems to me that you don't lean one way or the other. You're not like trying to trying to get the bad guy out that was screwed right. by the man right. or trying to put the bad guy in jail because yeah. because that's what America wants like it seems like you have a very fair approach sure to to all of this sure. and you want to uphold the constitution yes and you want to also be fair to humanity and right. to be compassionate right and I have an ethical duty to my client to you know to fight and get her or him the best possible outcome I can get but sometimes the best possible outcome is you know getting a B felony dropped to an E felony sometimes mm. that's you know that's the best outcome you can get because right. you know that if you so you know you can do you can get a four year sentence and apply for probation that's what the state's offering you know you got a good shot at probation because you don't have any history but if you go to trial on a B felony you're going to get 20 years mm. if you're convicted 8 to 12 you know it's going to be a horrible outcome if you lose so you can take the probation now or we can take your chance with the jury mm. and I'll do either one I don't care I don't have a preference. I like jury trials. So a lot of my conversation, a lot of my day-to-day is having conversations just like that. Right. Laying it out for people. So what do you see uh what do you see the life of a of a prosecutor like uh well you know if i were elected i would be the the head of the office obviously and i have, I have 30 lawyers there's 30 i think there's 30 assistants in there right now mm. and they're all divided up into teams so really it would almost be you know the person who sets out the mission for the prosecutor's office and you know that would be you know I, i'm not going to take the Glenn Funk approach and say no marijuana, but I'm going to have a, a, a less strict approach to that. And I'm not going to have any more Walmart burglaries or retail burglaries. And by the way, I think I'm one of the only people in the bar, the defense bar to actually beat one of those in trial. Really? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So how'd you do that? It was just a, a lot of it. You know, it's funny because, you know, lawyers, especially when you take a point of work, you lose more than you win. So when you win a case, it's hard to look back and say, to think, what did I do to convince the jury? You just assume we did everything right, hmm. right? But it's I probably didn't do everything right. But I think really my approach of just during the jury selection process, I asked the jurors to imagine a burglar. What is a burglar? Because hmm. my guy's charged. My guy, he was he went to Walmart and he got caught shoplifting once and then they put him on the no trespass list and he went back into Walmart and he stole a sweater. He put a sweater on over his sweater and walked out and they charged him with burglary, defelony burglary um, instead of shoplifting. So I asked them and they didn't stop him when he came in. They let him come in. Even though he was on the no, even though, on no trespass, trespass list. list. And, I was able to, and I was able to show when I asked that cross-examination of the, the loss prevention folks I said, if somebody is on no trespass list and they come in and they don't commit a crime and they pick something off the shelf and they pay for it, do you take their money and, oh, yeah, 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 we'll complete the transaction. So <laughs> it, so the, the trespass list is only being enforced selectively. The only time they would ever bring it up is if the person tried to steal something. Now right. all of a sudden they're saying you don't, because burglar, what is burglar? You don't have consent to be in the, in the space. Mm-hmm. So you don't have consent to be in the space and you have the intent to commit a crime which is oh you know, is that the difference between theft and burglary yeah, bur- burglary is is basically you are inside of a 
of a building. So you're trespassing without, and theft. <laughs> trespassing and theft. Or yeah, it can be gotcha. trespassing with intent to commit a theft or an assault or any felony. Hmm. So so they, they have to prove that you were... So if you just break into somebody's house and you pass out on their couch, that's not burglary. That's trespassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe vandalism for breaking a window or whatever, yeah. but it's not burglary. Now, if you break into someone's house and you open their fridge and take out a Gatorade, that's burglary, that's, mm. which is a C felony. So you go from a C misdemeanor sleeping on the couch to a C felony, aggravate a burglar because it's a house. So it's the distinctions are, it doesn't take much. You pick up a quarter off the ground, put it in your pocket when you're in somebody's house. That's yeah. that's a burglary. So, gotcha. so I was just trying to paint the picture for the jury. What is a burglar? You imagine somebody coming into your home and stealing something or breaking into your business after hours and stealing something. That's not what happened here. This person is guilty of shoplifting. Mm. And they actually came back um, with an acquittal. So he didn't even get charged with, he didn't even get convicted of theft. Wow. Yeah. Why do people go to Walmart to steal stuff? I mean, they have Dude. more cameras in that place. I mean, they have to be just- uh, Walmart gotta... has should have their own division in court. Because really? there's so much coming out of Walmart. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you not go to the mom and pop store? You know, if you're gonna steal stuff. They because don't... I think I think a lot of it is because it's so big. You think you can blend in. Yeah. And you think no one's gonna see me. Mm. You know, you're kind of in your own world and you steal stuff. Um, and I've seen all kinds of schemes. You know, you find the receipt in the parking lot, and then you go in and try to pick up that album item from the no shelf way. and return it. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of schemes. Oh my gosh! I've seen people like just they'll have their friend in a car like right by the fire door, and they'll just like jump out the fire door and like jump in the car and take off. There's all kinds of scams. I had one guy years ago. This was in Sevier County, but it was they had it on camera. It was it was I don't know if I should tell the story, but he went in and he took a a, a bottle of beer out of a six pack and then just opened it right there in the store. No, he walked out of the store with the beer and then and then he used like that yellow traffic stopper pole, you know? Oh yeah. Those yeah. poles outside the store. And he just like used that to crack open the beer, hit the top of it and open the a, beer. A bottle of beer. A bottle of beer and yeah. just walked out and that was it and they charged him with theft. So, hmm. I mean, there's all kinds, some people are brazen like that and some people, yeah. they don't, you know, put on a shirt over your shirt or pants over your pants. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's the top shoplifting that I've seen in my 11 years. It's Walmart, Kohl's, and Home Depot. Mm. People don't shoplift at Lowe's? I don't. Home Depot's the place? Home Depot seems to be, (laughs) you know, but Kohl's is a big one for some reason. I don't know why Kohl's. Clothing, I guess? Maybe it's the clothes, but I, you know, once in a while you'll get a Kroger and I almost never see Target. Maybe Target doesn't prosecute as hard. Right. Or maybe it's either they don't prosecute or they don't steal from there. But I almost, I don't think I've ever <laughs> they had don't a- catch them. <laughs> I maybe have had one or two, but it's almost always Walmart. Wow. <laughs> That's funny, man. I cannot believe that. I remember I knew a guy in high school who got in trouble for trying to steal DVDs from Walmart. I was like, yeah. what were you thinking, dude? Yeah. Like, that was so dumb. Well, what people would do is they would- take a knife and they'd cut open the dvd case and then reach in and slide the dvd out of the case and put the dvd into their pocket and then because all the all the security system is on the case uh, so you yeah. can walk out with the movie Jeez. and leave the case behind i mean i've seen people do stuff like Jeez, that Jeez, yeah. man it's it's crazy so what's the rest of the ticket look like that you're looking at with this next ele- but by the way when is the uh, is it just county elections or so is city the, stuff so going on too it's, it's countywide election so the, the the primary is may 3rd um early voting starts i think april 13th 
Um, that's the Democrat and Republican primary for county. And then we have the county generals August 4th. Okay. Um, so there are... And uh, I, I, May 3rd is primaries? May 3rd is primaries. That's, are you going to have, uh, at that point, does it get whittled down to one? Well, I don't have a challenger, so it's just going to be me on the on the ticket on the ballot for Democrat ah. on, on, in May. Okay, so so you're running unopposed? I'm running or... unopposed in the primary, then i got to run against the incumbent Republican in, in, in April. You've or, done I'm, this- I'm sorry, in August, yeah. You did this, you've done this before. I ran as an independent in 2020 for law director, which is essentially that- position handles all the civil matters for the the county as yep. opposed to DA's all the criminal matters. But I have more experience in the criminal side, obviously. So right. this is a better position for me. Well and also the in, incumbent uh law director's been there a million years and it, Yeah, well it, that, that, county, that right? one so they they so the the law director is a county position. So they had term limit. So that, that but Bud Armstrong had four years and four years and he was out. Now he's running for chancellor. But then his deputy who is number two was the person i was running against david book who may as well have been an incumbent i guess. may as well have been an incumbent and you know i got 37 percent of the vote in that race um and you know he's just gone on to do everything i said he was was going to do which is lose every case can't settle a case racking up attorney's fees it's just been a complete unforced fiscal errors, nightmare fiscal nightmare you know you you elect these quote unquote fiscal conservative Republicans end up costing the taxpayers way more money than it should be because they just want to take a hard line in the sand and say, we're going to try every case. Then we have people like pretending to wear masks, like that whole fiasco in the schools. Mm. Like it's just been a, a, a nightmare for yeah. the taxpayers. But, you know, people will vote for him because he's a Republican. But this year we have a lot of Democrats running. Um, we have, you know, Sarah Keith running for judge. She's it was a prosecutor for many, many years, her whole career, 12 years or something, running for a Sessions Court judge. Um, we got three candidates running for county mayor um, that are going to be on the on the ballot in, 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 in May. On the Democratic primary? For the Democratic and primary. And then does Glenn Jacobs have another term if he wants it? it so then whoever wins that is going to have to go against Glenn Jacobs yeah. in August. Um, we have... Um, several Democrats running countywide for county commission. Um, we have Democrats running in District 3, I think in District 4. So that would be like, um, I guess, like the Middlebrook and, you know, Cedar Bluff kind of area. I think. Yeah. And um, we have uh, uh, a candidate, Dana Moran. She's running for circuit court clerk. Um, so right now we have 27 countywide elected offices in our in in Knox County. Um, you know we got five general sessions court judges, three criminal court judges, four circuit court judges. We have a juvenile judge, um, all Republicans, public defender, the DA, the trustee. We have a Democrat running for trustee too. Um, so all these positions are all Republicans. 27 of them. 27 and every single three one. chancellors, all of them. Republicans. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, and some of them are great at their jobs. I'm gonna, just going to put it out there and say, right. that, but, but then a lot of them are not. And the problem with having this one party system that we have, like, you know, you'd see maybe in a different country is that you, it just kind of anybody who's got the R next to their name is going to get in. So right. you get people like David Book who are not qualified to do the job are going to get the job because they got a Republican. Uh, next to their name so I, I think that you know it's a problem and I think that we need to break that up there should be some you know 
Democrats and some Republicans, we should have a more balanced system, but we don't. And the way that the legislature is going right now in Tennessee, the modern Tennessee G, uh, GOP is lost its mind. You know, they're trying to ban, they're trying to criminalize uh, having certain books in school libraries. They want right. to lock up librarians. Um, you know, they want to have a, an abortion bill like the one in Texas where, you know- um, You can prosecute a, your neighbor for having a, an ab like, abortion, or giving a, an abortion. Like a rape, a rapist's family member can sue a rape victim for not carrying that baby to term. Yeah. I mean, they, that's what they want to do in this state. Now they're, they have, they're, have a bill going through right now where they want to eliminate all marriage laws, all of it. You know, the, all the license requirements, all the ceremonial requirements, everything gone. Even the age requirements, all of it gone. You can marry anybody. You can marry anybody you want. But only, so just because they, and then they're trying to create some kind of weird common law marriage where the only a man and a woman can get. They're trying to, they're trying to go around the- They're trying to subvert gay they're marriage. They're trying to subvert gay marriage by burning the house down. Yeah. They would rather- they would rather a man marry his 13-year-old, 12-year-old daughter than two men marry. So they're taking that that kind of thing, the cousin, the daughter, they, they're taking. Well, they're trying to take that out of first it. First cousins are already allowed to marry in Tennessee. Why is that? It's because if you look at the consanguinity, I can never say that word. There's a statute right now that we have that says who can and can't marry. So mm. you can't marry your daughter, your stepdaughter. You can't marry um, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your parent. It's all these, but first cousin it's not one of the prohibited relationships didn't you didn't you i try had a case? case i had a case in order protection court once where i tried to argue and i successfully argued that two cousins are not blood related so therefore the op statute didn't apply what's the, op order protection okay order protection has to be that has to be a family member it has to be well, the statute says blood relative blood relative or someone you've had a sexual relationship with or someone you lived with or someone who's stalking you. It has to be one of those four things in order to get an To OP. get a restraining order against somebody. Right. Like you couldn't get an OP against me because we don't have any, we're just friends. We don't have any kind of, unless we cohabitated, you couldn't get one. So gotcha. one cousin tried to get another, an OP against his cousin and cited blood relationship. And I argued to the court that judge, we could go all the way back to Adam and Eve and we're all blood related. There has to be some limit to who is blood related and who isn't under the statute. So if you look at um, the marriage restriction statute, which is under the same title, Title 36, it does not prohibit cousins from marrying. So if cousins are able to marry, we can't argue that they're blood related. And the judge agreed and they dismissed the case. So you were trying to get, a cousin was trying to get a restraining order against another, another cousin. That's right. And your argument was, they're if they not, can marry each other, then they're not then blood related. Then, then the court says that they're not blood related. Or the United- the, the, I, I said that the, the, the statute the, the, says. The, the, the legislature, if they considered first cousins to be blood related, then they would have prohibited them from getting married. But because they haven't prohibited cousins from being married, then they have ruled intentionally that they're not blood related. And what did the judge say? He agreed. <laughs> he dismissed the case. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, because <laughs> sometimes as a lawyer, you know, you got everything is against you. Because if we actually would have tried that case, I probably would have lost. Right. Because the guy, he did beat the crap out of him. You know, yeah. I probably would have lost. So sometimes when you're practicing, you have to just find these crazy creative arguments. And sometimes- most of the time they don't work but the judge just kind of like sat back and this was when judge swan was on the bench the old fourth circuit judge he just sat back and just kind of looked up at the ceiling and spun around in his chair real slowly 
And he's like, are you trying to tell me? And I said, yes, Judge, that's what I'm. <laughs> that's my argument. And he said, I, think, I guess I have to rule, you know. It's almost, he almost laughed. Then he ruled on my favor. I couldn't believe it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. They ought to call that like the, the, the Jackson Finner yes, you know, yeah. statute or but, something. But the, the, but the sad moral is that cousins can marry, which is, you know, yeah. people make fun of us for that and maybe they should. But, you know, the new GOP wants to take away all relationships they want to just they're just nuking the whole entire system so they can try to keep gay people from marrying so that when you asked me at the, at the front is why you're running well a lot of the crazy stuff that's happening right now is just infuriating you know with the whole with the big lie with you know it used to be years ago if someone was fell and hit their head or they somehow hurt themselves you would ask them who's the president of the united states who's the president to orient them yeah, now yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people in the gop they can't answer that question. They refuse right. to answer the question or they give the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this whole trying to overturn the election, the insurrection, all of it, it just kind of was a boiling point for me. And I said, you know, and I talked to my wife about it and I was like, this is going to be having a second job running for office. It's a lot of work. She's like, you got to do it. Do you believe in it? I believe in it. Because if I don't run, then, you know, they're not going to be checked. You know, Charm Allen, her husband was working for her in the process, in the DA's office her entire term, all eight years that she'd been there. Her husband was working for her under under her as a subordinate prosecutor. We have a nepotism law in Tennessee that prohibits exactly that type of conduct. You can't have someone who is, again, they use the term blood relative. But, but they hus- mean spouse. They mean spouse. Two. Spouse, brother. Yeah. They, you can't have somebody who's under your direct line of supervision to, working for you. And- you know, he'd been he'd been there the whole entire time. Now I pull a petition, I'm running against her. All of a sudden, he resigns. Really? So, so even if I, you know, that's why I'm running because even if I don't win, which you know, even if I don't win, I'm still having a net positive effect. I think just by putting my name out there and putting pressure on these people to who, do the right thing because they can get they get away with everything. I'm a Republican. I'm never going to lose. Uh, you know, we can pass any kind of wacky law we want to. And no one can stop us. Well, you know, the Democrats, Matt Shears is the chair of the Democrat Party right now. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a goal. He wants to have a candidate in every race. And he called me very early on and asked me, you know, he said, well, we should get lunch. And I told my wife, he's going to try to get me to run for something. And I talked to him. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm pulling a petition for DA because he made me think it was my idea. You know, it's... <laughs> Maybe I, he should run well, for well, no, yeah. he, no, he's he's great where he is. He's got, he's been doing great at recruiting, you know, and he's getting people in there. He's, you know, you know, we look at the numbers. You know, Knox County has had a 12-point shift between in the presidential election between 2016 and 2020. We've gone 12 points towards the Democrats. Hmm. We're gaining ground. So you think this is as good of a chance as we're going to have well, to re- get somebody re- uh, from the other yes. side in in the, one of those twenty seven spots? Well, there's there's a couple of reasons why. One, the 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 Knoxville Demo- Republican Party, the Republican Party of Knoxville is very fractured right now. They have a new I'm not going to name them, but they have a new chair um, there. He's a young guy, brand new lawyer, been practicing maybe two years. Um, he's running the whole show. And he is really upsetting a lot of the older Republicans. You know, really? Rick, Ray Jenkins was a magistrate, and and I don't know if you know the name, but he's no. kind of a, a bigger name. He's a magistrate. He's a lawyer. He was the chair of the Republican Party for many years. 
and he came out publicly. He wrote an op-ed for uh, for the Sentinel. You know, I'm done with this Republican Party. They have disrespected the older generation. They're taking this party in a crazy direction that doesn't even make sense. You know, I'm talking about like the Bush Corker Republicans. Mm. You know, the the quaint old days when it was just Bush. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. So, but so people who who more. Uh, who more associate with that style of Republican and they are the majority of the Republican party. You know, the Trump MAGA thing, they're the loudest ones. But if you look at 2016, Trump only got 33% of the vote among Republicans in Knox County. Really? Yeah. So the Trump Republican brand, which is waning is, is the minority among Republicans. Gotcha. You've got County. a lot more moderates and a lot and more moderates. That. So, and I feel like we have a lot of moderate Democrats we do, too. Here. We do. And I'm a moderate Democrat too. You know, I'm not, I don't want to burn the, the whole system down. I think that we can make improvements within the system with empathy, Sure. but I'm, I, you know, uh, there's, there's just a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. But with, but where I'm going is that the Republican party now is fractured and, and in August, um, you know, the day of our general election, there is, it's also the same day as the federal and the state primaries, but there are no contested Republican primaries on that day. But there are contested Democrat primaries because we got multiple Democrats who are teeing up to go against Bill Lee. So there's going to be a draw to bring out ah. Democrats, but the Republicans don't have any reason to come out because their big race is the sheriff race, you mm. know? And so they're everybody's. They're all getting fired up for that. But once that's over in May, it's over. They have nothing else to come out for except to vote against me, vote for the Republicans. But we have all the we have all the momentum. We have the reason to come out. You're saying the August date. The August date. So you think Democrats are going to show up a lot more than Republicans on that day because Republicans are running uncontested. They don't have anything to. Yeah, they don't, they don't have, have a reason. They to don't show have up. any reason to show up except to vote in the county general. We have. A reason to show up outside of that, which is the the state primaries. Right. So we have a reason to come out, and that party is fractured. So I think that you know a lot of the thinking is that that a lot of Republicans are just going to stay home because they're sick of the direction their party is going in. They don't have any other reason to yeah. come out. Yeah, they're unmotivated. They're unmotivated to come out. Yeah. So so you could see some of those twenty seven. So I think the way that it's going to happen is it's going to be the same way that we saw in the last city council race is that we're either all going to win or we're all going to lose, mm. you know, because people are going to come in. Maybe there's someone out there who likes Sarah Keith running for judge, who's an amazing candidate. They'll come out and vote for her and then they'll go straight ticket, which yeah. helps me. Or maybe yeah. some, some people I know who fired up with the DA race come and they'll go vote straight ticket. So that's kind of what we're hoping for, what we're banking on. Um, but, you know, so many years we've had uncontested races across the board now at least we have five or six right that's it's an improvement yeah. and you know just trying to get more and more candidates to show that we're here and we're serious and we're building data and we're you know we're trying to we're, we're trying to make a difference and we're just even if everybody says we can't win right so even if we don't win at least we know where our strong districts are, where we need work. So when we come back in two years or four years, we put together another package of candidates. We'll know where we have to go and what we have to do to get the numbers up. And, you know, you hear all the time, oh, you can't win as a Republican or as a Democrat in Knox County. Well, it's not that long ago that we had a Democrat DA. The really? Before Charm Allen was a Democrat. We had a Democrat chancellor who lost in 2014. So we've had you know, we had there's a Demo precedent. There's this. precedent. We had Democrat. I mean, when I moved to Tennessee, we had Democrat governors. We had, you know, who was it? It was the governor back then. Bredesen was a Democrat. Mm. So, I mean, we've had multiple. So, it's not like it's unheard of or impossible. I think that we're just in a 
you know, have your Republican cycle. But if not this time around, and I think that we're eight years away at most from flipping Knox County. Dude, I believe in you. I really do. And I've known you long enough to know that you're convicted about your job uh, and that you really believe in you believe in justice, uh, but you also believe in in being fair and you also believe in compassion and empathy. Yeah. And I think that's what it takes to do the job of, right. well, of DA. Yeah. And I'm also pragmatic, too. You know, I'm not I'm not an idealist. You know, I, I, I uh, if somebody I'm, I'm not going to come in and just, you know, uh, uh, try to completely eviscerate and rebuild the system. I, I want to work within the system. But I think that there are things that we can do to be more empathetic, mm. to help people out. And, you know, the DA's ethical duty is to is to exact justice. It's not to win cases. I mean, the rules of ethics are very clear about that. And I think that we have a lot of cases in Knox County where they just want to win. And it's not about winning. It's not supposed to be about winning. The law is clear it's not about winning. If, if it's a bad case, you're supposed to let it go. That's mm. what the rules say. So I, I think that there's a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of cases that are being pushed through that are overcharged um, or just weak. And then we have a lot of cases where there's no case where there should be a case, right. you know? So I, I, I just think that, you know, right now they're beholden to, to Walmart and, and Kohl's and these big <laughs> businesses. They, they, they're, they're trying to, uh, they're basically supplementing their loss prevention by charging people with felonies. It's really what yeah. the long and short of it is. We're, spending resources to try to help Walmart make cases when that doesn't help the average person. So I, th I think that if we take the focus away from big business and just look at the neighborhoods and what do the neighborhoods need, what's the problems here, um, you know, we can lock up the real bad guys and let the people who are maybe guilty of a lesser offense have a, you know, a probation sentence or some other way to help them. And that's really, it's, it's not that complicated. You know, my, my mission is, is not a complicated mission. I think it's, I, I think a lot of people, um, and I've talked to Republicans too, that vote Republican that, you know, agree with me and have, uh, have said they will support me. So I think that, you know, my approach is going to be an empathetic one, which I think that the current DA lacks. Man, it's enlightening, dude. Is there anything we uh, anything we missed, left out, wish we would have said? Because well, I am so fired up for you <laughs> and excited, man. It's it's nice to hear it. The word pragmatist makes me feel good. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because I feel like you know, especially you you hear when you know somebody's running on the blue team these days. That word seems to not be the first thing that comes to mind. Right. And so I, I think when you when you hear that someone is um, when you hear that someone is grounded in, you know, wanting to know the truth, but also has an idea uh, about what is feasible and what isn't. That's right. That's right. What uh, what what is a result? Plus, we have to think about, you know, I still have to operate within the confines of the law, and I still have to, you know, there's judges who are going to be, you know, looking at what we're doing. Obviously, we can't just do whatever we want. And we can't just say no drug crimes are going to be prosecuted in Knox County. That's not practical. And it's not helpful because there are a lot of bad dudes who are moving some horrible drugs and killing people over it. I right. mean, it, so, I mean, there are, there are some real problems, but, you know, if we can just find a way to get to the source of some of these issues, and I think that find a way to maybe treat some people on the front end, um, as opposed to waiting until they're charged with a crime. And I don't know the answer to that. 
but I think that there are resources available where we could do that. Um, maybe we, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but, um, I, I think putting a Jackson Finner sign in your yard is a, is a good thing to do. I'm, I got signs out. I got one up at my wife's salon right now. There you go. She's got a salon in South Knoxville on Sevier Avenue. Um, so we got a sign up there. I'm going to be, uh, we got a booth at Pride, so we'll be there in June. Okay. Um, Which is, the August is the big date, right? August is the big date. So you've so, got a push going right now. Well, we got a push going right now because there's always, like, I just did something with Public Access TV, and I went and sp- spoke with the Knoxville Democrat women, um, and I... You know, there's all these different things always happen like really early on before the primary. And then there'll be a lull mm. until mid-July when the early voting starts. Um, so right now it's like the first front-end push. Once we get past May 3rd, then it, it'll taper off a little bit and I'll get a little bit of breathing room. Mm. But, you know, we're always raising money. You know, we got votejacksonfenner.com is the website. Okay. So you can go there and you, know, you can find out how you can help if you want to help you can donate you can get on the volunteer list you can sign up for a sign um but i got i got a a team going i got you know uh, a young campaign manager peyton rogers is out there nice. you know, just, so that's part of what matt has done matt shears is you know, we're in, injecting a lot of youth which is good because you know i'm i'll be i'm almost 45 and uh you know uh, I'm, I feel like the old guy, you know, like I don't know how to work the website. I don't know how to, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got these young people who are in tune with the younger voters um, and, you know, they're maybe you're better using the software and how to get your name out there and all that and helping with the social media and things like that. So you Get Peyton to light up your TikTok, dude, and you are going to be just, you're yeah, going to be out there. Yeah, you're, you're, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be doing any kind of like dances or anything like that. It's not... <laughs> Well, maybe we can do like a, maybe we can do a commercial spot for you a or something like that. Yeah. 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 Put something out there. Maybe I need to get a TikTok going or something yeah. like that, but that's, that's not really my style. I mean, you know me, I'm kind of more of a, of a reserved. Yes. Guy. I do know that about you. Yeah. Well, man, I'm really glad we did yeah, this and I'm excited. Yeah. And I would love to, uh, to do it again sometime when you're on your victory lap. Well, yeah. So that would be awesome. If I, if I get elected, then I'd love to come back and talk to you. You again. will get elected. Uh, yeah, I feel good. You know, it's it just depends on the day. You know, some days, you know, when I'm with the team and we're at a certain event, I feel like I can't lose. And then I'll go to some other event where it's all Republicans. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? You realize but, what an uphill battle it is? It's an uphill battle. Yeah. And, you know, but as a defense lawyer, we're used to losing. I'm used yeah. to, you know, I don't mind getting my ass kicked and I don't mind taking a public beating. That's part of my part of my business model is, right. you know, failing and pushing forward. So if I lose, I lose. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all, but I think that I can win. I think we have a good strategy. I think we have a good message and I think that the iron is hot. And I think that now is the time for Democrats to, to do this because, you know, the Republicans, like my opponents, they don't even know how to run a campaign. They don't. They haven't had to. They have never. Like my opponent, she ran completely unopposed in the primary and in the general. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. In 2014, she had no opposition (laughs) whatsoever. Nice to go get a job you didn't even have to apply for. Yeah, exactly. She just like, she was on the ballot and no one else on the ballot in either race. And, you know, eight years ago, obviously I, I didn't know anything, but now I've learned a lot in eight years and I'm ready to go. But yeah, the days of, Republicans running unopposed in Knox County are drawing to an end. I mean, we're not there yet, but we're gonna we're just gonna continue, you know, keep putting pressure on them. 
That's the reason there is a two-party system is for checks and balances, right? Yeah, exactly. And if one party is just running wild and they're always going to win, then, you know, it's almost like the, almost like the, uh, the benevolent dictator or whatever. Maybe sometimes you get a good one. Yeah. And sometimes you get a complete worthless one. Sure. Depends on the office. But I mean, there's been a lot of corruption in the trustee's office very recently. Um, You know, we've had, there's been a lot of corruption in our supermajority GOP led General Assembly. I mean, we got indictments going on right now. I mean, we wow. have campaign fraud. I mean, it's just they're just running wild and they're committing crimes. And of course, they're calling us the criminals and the snowflakes, but they're the ones who are out there actually committing the crimes and running unchecked. So that's, we just need to get people out there to vote. And, you know, we got people like, you know, Cat Bike running for school board. I mean, that's great. People just running. You just got to run, you know, and that's kind of what my wife convinced me to do. And I've thought about doing it. It's like, you just got to, you know, What's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is I win. They got to be the DA. Yeah, right? that, that's <laughs> no. Well, be careful because yeah. that might just happen. No, you know, and I hope it does because yeah. I'm ready to do it. Yeah. So you know, I encourage people to vote and to run. Just you know, just because it, it's if you don't, then someone else is going to, and it's most likely going to be a Republican, and they're getting away with whatever they want to do. And uh, I think that we can do much better. Well, I appreciate your your heart and your mind. Yeah, man. and I'm yeah. glad that we've. Yeah, I'm glad that we've got people like you in our community. That, well, I uh, appreciate you saying that. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm a I'm a transplant, so I still got the he ain't from around here problem. That's you know, all right. I've been here for 25 years, so I think that uh, hopefully I've overcome that. But, that's uh, that's long enough. I can still hear enough. a little upstate in your voice. Yeah, and I was just I was just up there. Um, unfortunately for a funeral but i was up there and you know whenever i go up north Sorry. it's uh you know you sound like a redneck southerner seriously oh man i guess because the accent i i kind of have a mixed accent down here they say i sound like a yankee and up there i sound like a southerner you so. must be like deep buffalo area well, it's, isn't that where they're from where well you, where i'm from? from i'm from western new york which is um you know it's kind of like the jamestown rochester area yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's you know uh Maybe an hour from Buffalo, but I mean it's nothing but cows and corn. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's like, thick. It's super rural, and it's a pretty red area too. I mean, it's a lot of Republicans up there too. Um, um, yeah, they got the it's 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 the Great Lakes accent, you know, you know. Yeah, which, yeah it, it, what people don't realize is uh, is is there's uh, there's hicks everywhere. You oh know? my god, they're, they're not they're not just in East Tennessee. Man. I mean, we had you know. My my school that I went to was I had forty three kids in my graduating class and the entire school district was in one building. Are you serious? Yeah, so it was tiny. It was freaking tiny. And yeah. people come into school, you know, in their farm. They get up and go farm for three hours. For three <laughs> hours and come to school in their farm clothes. Yeah. You know, I mean that was very common. Yeah, and I wasn't. I didn't farm, but I mean that's kind of where I I I come from, and that's kind of why I came down here because you know there's nothing up there but snow and farming and you know nothing there's nothing i mean you go to buffalo but buffalo at the time there's no opportunity there and who wants to live there in the wintertime i got sick of it so i came down here in 1998 for school right no i was just i didn't have a reason really you know i had a friend that was living down here and i came down to just to hang out and i stayed uh you know the weather kind of brought me down here and i I could afford to live here but it's funny because back in 98 i was 20 21 22 you know, Gay Street was vacant. There was nothing on Gay nothing. Street. Nothing. And Market Square was, you had the 
Mercury Theater, which closed right after I moved down here. You had Tomato Head, Subway, and a liquor store. Every other shop was vacant. Like the city was a shell. All the nightlife and the cool kids were all underground. It was like <laughs> house shows. I mean, there was no pilot light. Right. There was no Barleys. I mean, none of that was, the old city was nothing. It was, you had Manhattans and, and, and who and yeah, who <laughs> were just on the way out. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, a shell of a town, but it's interesting because the town has grown up with me. So I've been here for 25 years and now I'm more yeah. mature and more put together and I got a family now and, you know, I'm a homeowner and I got a business owner and my wife owns a business. So that I, as I've grown up and matured, so has the city. It's become an actual functioning town. Like every space on Market Square is full. Gay Street is full. You know, <laughs> Severe Avenue, Central Street. I mean, everything's blowing up. None of that stuff was here. So it's... You've been here. You've been here longer than a lot of people. A lot of the people who are going to vote for you. Yeah, you know, we're alive. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, the, exactly. the, the the person that's running my campaign was, you know, she was born in this century, I think. So you know, I've been here for longer than people that are working with me have been alive, which is interesting. Um, I guess that's. <laughs> But you know, but you you know this town as well as anybody, and yeah. you know this region as well as anybody. I know I know this town as well as anybody because I when when I first came here, you know I was I've done everything. You know I I I loaded I worked at UPS. I loaded trucks. I've waited tables. I've washed dishes. I had a career as and and as a you know doing production like live sound and live audio yeah. production. Um, um, you know, I worked at the scrap metal yard. I've done every kind of menial labor job you could have. And I finally went to law school when I was in my thirties, you know, it was, I was a, a second career law student. It's kind of gave me a perspective. It's like, this is not life or death. You know, a lot of law students who had just gone high school, college, maybe they worked as a lifeguard straight into law school to them. It lots was, of, lots of pressure. And all them. this pressure. What am I going to do for me? It's like, Six months ago, I was loading a truck. Yeah, on, you know, with you know, boxes smashing my fingers. So I, this is nothing. Yeah, you had some perspective. I had some perspective. So it's like even if I blow this up and fail, I'll still have a job. I can still live. I'm not going to starve. Right. So it kind of gave me this different view on being older. And I, you know, I I was not the top student in my class, but it's still I, I still had perspective, and I had had already started to establish a work life balance, and you know. I can't, I was not the kind of student who could start at six and then work for three hours and go to class all day and then work for another five hours. I just, that wasn't me. You know, I work hard, but I have limits and I, I was, you know, it was, uh, I right. wasn't, I had already seen um, um, the other side of life and I already lived that kind of life. And I, 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 I got through law student, I think law school with that perspective. And I think it made me be a better student and maybe be a better lawyer too. It was interesting to see you almost in like, new graduate mode at 32 yeah. 33 I graduated 34. in 2011 um and I, uh, I turned 34 that year so yeah. yeah and that's right about when I met you yeah and it was interesting to see you like putting in your time working yeah. as hard as uh, anybody uh, yeah. like as hungry as anybody I've uh, ever yeah. seen yeah uh, and you know, me, I'm a little younger than you and the other guys around us were kind of already like in established businesses, right. but to see you work so hard to grow something yeah. was super, 
it, it, it was it was awesome to see you take like almost a second not a second chance but like you said a second career yeah and take in it, it was clear that it was what you were meant to do because you were I, focusing I so. on it so hard i think so i mean it gets in your blood i mean i carry around a lot of weight you know people going to prison and people getting their kids yeah. back i do family law too so i carry a lot of weight for a lot of people but it's you know it gets in your blood and i i can't imagine doing anything else you know um I started out on my own, had my own practice, and I went into the lived, worked in a firm for three years, which I learned a lot there, but I wasn't really cut out for that. Went back out on my own. Then I worked with Garza for a little while, few, only a few months. Um, went back out on my own. I've been on my own now, completely unaffiliated since I think 2018, last four years. Um, and, you know, there are, it's nice having that, that, the, the accomplishment of building my own practice and, and getting to where I am. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a, a jerk, but I don't need this job as DA. I don't need it. I mean, as far as like financially, it's, I'd be fine. Right. You know, I'm not in, I don't have a government job. I don't need to have that job, which I think hopefully people will see that as making me more of an attractive candidate because I'm more drawn to just the public service side of it. Mm. Whereas my opponent, that's all she's ever done is been a government lawyer. And if she loses, what is she going to do? Go mm. and start her own practice. Right. So I kind of, it's kind of like the same approach that I had to law school. It's like, I'm going to put everything I have into this, but I also have the perspective where I know that even if I don't make it to where I want to go, I'll still be fine. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? What people say, like, if you had unlimited amounts of money, what would you do? Yeah. And whatever you say, that's the answer to what you're supposed to do with your right. life. Like right. you, what, what do I do? If, what would I do if I had, you know, an unlimited amount of money? I would, I would fly fish every single day. Right. Be a fly fishing guy. Okay. That's me. Right. Yeah. You don't need to be, you're not, you don't have to be uh, a county DA to, to have money. You you uh, want to do it because you yeah because I mean, you uh, obviously see it as a challenge, but right. also you feel like it is because you you believe that you be can done. affect change. Somebody has to get in there and 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 stand up to this modern Tennessee GOP party. It's out of control. Someone's got to step in. Um, you know they're trying to you know legalize you know make abortion illegal. Who do you want to be the DA? You want a Republican to be the DA if they criminalize abortion? Right. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm doing it because it's not because I have to, uh, because it has to be done. And that's just, and I've always kind of been drawn to that. You know, I was in law school, I got uh, the pro bono service award for going and helping people on Saturdays and helping people. And I've been, nice. I've been awarded three times as an attorney, twice by the KBA and once by the Tennessee Supreme Court for pro bono work, helping mostly domestic violence victims get OPs and, you know, help people with credit card debt, things like that. So I've always kind of been drawn to that public service side of it. And, I, and I've always wanted to do something like that. Um, it, you know, and this is a perfect opportunity where I can get in and help people and, and, and put myself in a position and a platform where I can try and do some good, you know, and uh, get in there and I'll have eight years to do it. And, uh, I just, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, that's, that's always been my motivation really. I think is just to have something that's more public facing where I'm, you know, helping people out and doing that. And, you know, like when I'll go down and I, I judge the, uh, moot court mock trial trials at, at the law school, that's the best part of my year 
it, being a lawyer yeah. because it allows me to like give feedback and help you know these new students who are coming in um you know are always smarter than i was when i was in law school but it just you know that's what i like to do and i feel like you know if i unlimited amount of money would i be a public servant well maybe i probably would be you know because i don't i'm not doing it for the money now right because i don't need the money yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah well i'm pumped for you let's do it yeah. let's get out there and let's do get it get out there and do it yeah you know, everybody vote august 4th and for people who are listening to this way in the future, thank you for voting for me. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate it. Couldn't have done it without yeah, you. Yeah, can't done yeah. without you. And, well, uh, you know, so it's August fourth. We're trying to have like a, um, you know, like a meet and greet here in the next few weeks. So be looking out for that. I'm on, of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, um, and it's votejacksonfenner.com. Perfect, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks. All right. Thank you guys for being here. Hope we enjoyed it. Hope you guys had a good time. Follow us on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Send us an email, southofscruffy at gmail.com. Hit us up, man. Let us know what's working for you. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. And we'll uh, see you next week, all right? Pitch wire. Play me out. <laughs>